Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus and ESPN Caribbean alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar, episode 307. Herc, we made it. We're almost there. We got to get to a thousand, but we're almost oh. there. <laughs> a thousand. It's bro, been a, a long time. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it. Hey, that, that's a nice shirt you got going on right there. What is that, Dortmund? What, what, what do you got? Oh, oh, oh. No, no. oh, he's got the crew. Not the crew SC, the crew. Mm-hmm. This is the old school, the 1996 Columbus crew. Of course, uh, congratulations to the crew. They are into the MLS Cup, which we will be covering live from Columbus uh, on Thursday's edition of Football Americas. But here we are going to be looking ahead to MLS Cup. It's Columbus against LAFC. Lionel Messi, Herc, making some headlines. Not for his play, but for his words. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Some things to dissect there. And we will also be talking, as we usually do, about CONCACAF's finest and their exploits abroad. But let's start in Major League Soccer and the Eastern Conference Final. What an amazing game. FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew from TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. Team separated by just about 100 miles. And this one was an epic. 13 minutes in. FC Cincinnati striking first through Brendan Vasquez. Yeah, it's a tough ball by Penza right there. He does well enough to clean up the touch, but the execution is sublime from Brandon Vasquez. And that's pretty. Things looking good for Cincinnati. Things looking better for Cincinnati. Late in the first half, Lucho Acosta finds the net. I want you to look at this very carefully. Aiden Morris right here. Cucho Hernandez both duck last second. Oh, mm. can't reach it. That's 2-0 going into the break. 2-0 into the second half. Since he looking for a third, Aaron Bupenza saved by Pat Schulte. What a stop. Bupenza, uh, good play. Lucho Acosta set him up, but what a save by Patrick Schulte. Standing on his head on that play. Bupenza denied in the 51st. In the 69th, he would not be denied. Scrambling it over the line, but wait a second, Herc. There's a handball here. Yeah, Patrick Schulte cleans up the mess he made with that rebound. It's a ridiculous save on the second go around. Comes off of Bupenza's hand, no go. 75th minute, Columbus getting one back. Ball comes across, Alvis Powell into his own net, two to one. Yeah, Alvis Powell's not really the one to blame here. Santana right there, should have gotten it, he didn't. Uh, Christian Ramirez right there, Johnny on the spot, own goal. Columbus pushing for more late. Hanging it around the box. Going to end up at the feet of Diego Rossi. How about that for a finish, Herc? 2-2. Yeah, people don't give Christian Ramirez the credit he deserves. It's a clean touch right here into Diego Rossi. He tries springing Cucho Hernandez. Little ping-pong action, Diego Rossi. I'm not going to miss from there. So we get an extra 30 minutes to decide things in Ohio. 114th minute, Christian Ramirez taps home. Toda la carne al asador, all the meat in the grill. Kevin Molino makes an appearance. Cucho Hernandez to Christian Ramirez. Place hero again, second straight week. Columbus wins three to two, and they are headed to their third MLS Cup in the last nine seasons. But Herc, the big story here is Cincinnati. You got to explain it to me as if I were a child. How did they blow at home? This two-goal lead. Yeah, one could say they choked that lead away, right? The reality is the scoreline circumstantial because if you saw that first half, it could have been 2-1-2-2, either team, honestly. And the the, uh, Lucho uh, Acosta goal, it comes right before halftime, the worst possible time for Columbus. That should have been it right there. But then Bopenza has an opportunity to go up 3-0 and then 4-0, and it's Patrick Schulte standing on his head. Ridiculous save after save. 
that mm -hmm. keeps a very scary team in Columbus hanging around. I'm gonna talk about Columbus in a second, but if you're Cincinnati, you're lamenting what you couldn't finish on the other end of the field. And then by the time Columbus gets some momentum going, because you knew they have so much firepower, they were bound to get one, they were bound to do something there. By the time they do, you miss a figure like Matt Miazga in mm. the center of that heart of defense. A player like Matt Miazga, your defender of the year, being there limits that danger. And maybe you walk out of this and you're heading into MLS Cup. But when you leave a team like Columbus, so dangerous hanging around when you can't finish them up, this will happen. That's how they choked away the lead. Yeah. I think just to be very simple, when you're looking for a why, they kind of ran out of legs, right? And there was a lot of absences, especially in defense. It wasn't just Matt Miazga. Um, it was Wobodo. He plays yeah. kind of a Obina. defensive center midfield role. He's very uh, important. Nick Hagland uh, has been out for a long time as well. He's been a staple in that back line at times for FC Cincinnati. So they were missing a lot of guys. But I just wonder, Herc, what Matt Miazga must have been feeling watching this game. Because when you can't take part in a game, it must hurt. But when you know that you might have been the difference in your team hanging on and advancing to MLS Cup and you're on the sidelines because of not one, but two really boneheaded mistakes that you made that got you suspended. Um, I think that's something that's going to haunt Maz Miazga for a long time. And it should because FC Cincinnati were very, very close to an MLS Cup appearance. The other thing I would... I don't know if criticize here, but I think anytime a team blows a lead 2-0 at home, you got to look at the coach. Uh, Pat Noonan, I think he's gotten a lot right this year for FC Cincinnati. But if there's one thing I would, again, not criticize Herc, but maybe question here, it's the decision around Lucho Acosta. You're watching this game, especially in extra time. Lucho no Acosta was was yeah. dead. When I'm talking about guys with no legs, Lucho was, was the, the picture of that. And I know he's their best player, but he had nothing left. And I just wonder if Noonan had taken him off in the second half, gotten some more legs on, if maybe FC Cincinnati doesn't see this out. And I was wondering why Noonan wouldn't do it. And I remembered, Herc, if you go back to the Open Cup semifinal against Inter-Miami, Pat Noonan did take off Lucho Acosta late in the game. And he got burned because Inter-Miami got a couple goals late that ends up putting them in the final. So I wonder if that's what was in Pat Noonan's mind. I don't know if it was a mistake because I, I could get being being – you know, feeling pretty bad about what happened in the Open Cup semifinal. But when you look at how that game ended her, there's no doubt about it. Cincinnati needed more off their bench, and they weren't getting it from the 11 guys on the field. Let me tell you something. It's not, it's not Pat Noonan's fault that Popenza couldn't score those two goals. It could have been two goals from Popenza. It could have been a 4-0 stat or scoreline, and you're home. You're riding off to the sunset into the MLS Cup, mm -hmm. and you're, you're hosting it. You're hosting it. You're not just going, yes. you're hosting it. It's not Pat Noonan who told Kubo to, to not defend on the back post when Cucho Hernandez is wide open, to stop running in the box and leave him alone so Christian Ramirez could tap it in. I understand what you're saying, but this mm -hmm. is not on Pat Noonan. This team okay. buckled, they folded in the worst possible time. It's on the players. It's on the players who had a 2-0 advantage, who could have made it four, that then buckled under that pressure. All right, enough about Cincinnati. Enough about the losers. What about the winners? Columbus crew, Herc, let's give them their flowers. What impressed you most about this come-from-behind victory? Listen, it'd be very easy to talk about the will, the resolve of this team, the attacking talent in Cucho Hernandez and Christian Ramirez and Diego Rossi. Talk about those players, Aiden Morris in the mm -hmm. pose alongside Darlington Agby and how good that duo is. Quite possibly one of the best uh, center midfield duos that this league has ever seen. That could be something to talk about. But can I talk about Wilfred Nancy? I, I, Go th on. This is a player, or I'm sorry, this is a coach that never betrayed his DNA. This team, no matter what the circumstance, never, in his, in his own saying, 
uh, they always trusted the process, never betrayed the process. They were gonna suffocate the opponent with the ball. They were gonna suffocate the opponent without the ball and the way they pressed. They were gonna take risks, calculated risks, and that they did. When this second goal, or the third goal, excuse me, goes in by Christian Ramirez, you had Cucho mm -hmm. Hernandez, you had Diego Rossi, Rossi, Christian Ramirez, Julian Gressel, and you had uh, Kevin Molino, a Kevin Molino sighting all on the field at the right time. You spoke about the legs that Cincinnati didn't have. How about the mm -hmm. legs that Columbus did have? They suffocated him all over the field in the second half, and it was bound to happen. Once that second goal goes in, you just knew it was Columbus's for the taking. I'll tell you, Wilfred Nancy, he, he's done something special everywhere he's been. He turned around Montreal. Montreal let him go. He's done it for Tim Bezuchenko. In Columbus, this is a new team, a team with an identity, a team that no matter who they play against will not fold, will not change for said opponent. Yeah. They make the opponent change for them. And that was a difference here. I love what you said about Wilfred Nancy because you see it in this game. The first goal for FC Cincinnati comes off of a mistake, right? Out of Columbus trying to do what they do, yeah. play out of the back under pressure. You, you could have understood the players or the coach saying, hey, this is an Eastern Conference final. We're on the road. The crowd has turned against us. Let's simplify it, man. Let's just start thumping the ball along. Let's, let's not invite any more problems. They stuck with it. And even in that 90-minute in that window, you saw that payoff. So, so full credit to him. And if Matt Miazga is kicking himself, what do you think Joey Saputo and the people in Montreal are doing for letting this guy go? He had Montreal second in the Eastern Conference last year. I mean, in his second season, which is, I think, when you really start to judge a coach, um, and they couldn't keep him happy. And from the reports, it's apparently all on Joey Saputo, who wouldn't give Wilfred Nancy the freedom that he wanted to do what he needed to do in Montreal. But MLS coaches, good ones from abroad, are really hard to find. And to see a guy who did what he did in Montreal get kicked to the curb and immediately, immediately show what he can do again in uh, in Columbus is a huge credit to Wilfred Nancy Herc. It's also a credit to the guy you just mentioned, the guy who ends up hiring him, Tim Bezbachenko. This Columbus team is smart spenders, but they're not big spenders. They're right around middle of the pack, 12th to 13th in, in the MLS spending table. And let's not forget, this is a team that sold their best player, Lucas Celarayan, in the middle of the summer, I mean, we all thought at that point, boy, Columbus is chasing the money. They're, they're done with titles. No, 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 no. They've managed to, to walk that fine line. That's really impressive. To your point about how deep this team is, let's give Tim Bezbachenko a lot of that credit. Tim Bezbachenko, the true architect of the Toronto FC glory mm. years. Not Bill Manning, Tim Bezbachenko. Yes. Well, it helps when you're also the guy who helped write the... The rules for the league, remember, he worked in the league office for quite some time. So uh, Tim Bezbachenko, checkmarks for his work in Toronto as well as Columbus. Let's move to the Western Conference final, Herc. Not quite uh, as exciting as the Eastern Conference between uh, LAFC and the Houston Dynamo. This one uh, in Southern California there on Saturday night. Lots of pyro before the game. Took a while to get started. Carlos Vela. Off the crossbar two minutes in. Her. This is a nasty ball from Timothy Tillman. He's got to do better right there, Carlos Vela, but he's being dangerous early on. You want a nasty ball? How about this from Hector Herrera to Corey Baird? Left-footed ball. This man's taking left-footed corner kicks. Hector Herrera's just feeling himself these days. 12 minutes. Another chance here for Carlos Vela. Steve Clark, what a stop. Yeah, and Carlos Vela, he went for goal. He tried it, but no luck. Now, when LAFC needs a big goal, you know who you're going to go to, right? If it's not Denny Bawanga, it's definitely Ryan Hollingshead, the defender on the score sheet, Her. Yeah, Chiellini off the header. Why is Hector Herrera trying to mark Chiellini? What's going on there? Mm. Carlos Vela subbed off in the 77th minute. As you can see, he wasn't happy. The fans, however, gave him a massive ovation. Again, contract ending on December 31st. So, May 
may, and we'll talk about this in just a little bit, may have been his last time at home as an L.A. FC player upset to leave the field. However, just a few moments after he abandons the pitch hurt, everything's work out for LAFC. They get their second goal, an own goal here touched in by Franco Escobar. Yeah, and it was just bound to happen. You got to feel for Franco Escobar. It, those are tough to defend. When you're facing your own goal, you leave your feet there. You just know it's happening. LAFC then, 2 nothing winners at home afterwards. Dynamo head coach Ben Olsen not very happy with the field. Uh, I don't know if it was stuff that they did as much as it. I just didn't think we were sharp. The field stinks here. It's a terrible field. Um, and it's they have concerts here every three days or whatever. And the, the field's a joke. Uh, it's been a joke all year. Uh, but again, it didn't necessarily have anything to do with uh, the scoreline. But it just, it's just what it is. And uh, I think part of that disrupted some of our passing that we usually rely on. Eric, you know it ain't coming from me, not from my boy Ben Olsen. You giving Ben a, a get lost? You know, usually when you hear a coach complain about a venue or a field after a loss, it should be a get lost. And, mm -hmm. and it's always a get lost when you hear this from coaches because it just okay. sounds like an excuse. But I absolutely hate, I hate when venues or ownership groups or stadiums prioritize mm -hmm. other events because it's a financial incentive because you're going to get more money other than the sporting you're, you're prioritizing something that's not the actual game in this case the field i've been on that field before it leaves a lot to be desired like many other major league soccer fields mm. where a soccer specific stadium isn't just soccer specific they use it for concerts they use it for events it can blah 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 get damaged i understand this yes but both teams played on that field did you know mm. houston the houston dynamo had 71 percent possession Okay, 71% possession and LAFC had 18 shots on them. They had double the amount of completed passes than LAFC. So Ben Olsen, I understand and I'm with you. I hate how these venues let these concert promoters or let other things get in the way of the actual game, but you didn't lose this game because of the field. You lost this game because LAFC was better. LAFC was hunger. LAFC could have made it 4-1 in the first 38 minutes. That's a reality. That's how dominant LAFC was in front of your goal. Hector Herrera was on Giorgio Chiellini, one of the taller players for LAFC on set pieces. You guys let LAFC dominate you. Carlos Vela could have had a hat trick. This was by no means a situation where the field played a major factor in this game. So I'll give Ben Olsen a get lost here. Yeah, the XG here, LAFC 2.07, Houston 0.47. So the field probably not uh, why the Houston Dynamo lost. That said, if anybody has experience with this, and Herc, you are right, because it doesn't just happen with LAFC. It's Ben Olsen when he was here at DC United at Audi Field. They used to have um, XFL games, concerts, high school lacrosse games. That's just a reality for a lot of MLS teams. You need that extra revenue to get into the black instead of the red um, at the end of the year. I don't want to make this about, you know, poo-pooing on, on the Houston Dynamo and Ben Olsen. They had a great season. They won the Open Cup. They got to the conference final uh, after finishing 13 out of 14 man in the he's West wrong. last year. Tell your mans he's wrong. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Come and he got on, 17 man. assists out of Hector Herrera. He too, did, huh? he did. I've not assists. seen Hector Herrera play that way. By the way, Ben Olsen's right, though. This field, that field, mm -hmm. we've been there. We've covered games. It's not always in the best of conditions. Listen, my wife went to a concert there 
uh, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, Mauro, Ooh, what Mauro, concert? Uh, Rebelde. You probably don't know Ooh, who they are. Wow, and what then, a show. And then Mao Pedrosa went and saw Queen there like maybe 10 days ago. So there's always mm -hmm. something going on. But that's part of it's the LA. business that LA, it's exactly it, but I'm not excusing it. That's just not the mm -hmm. reason you lost. Okay, all right, uh, as we mentioned in the highlight, there was a sense towards the end of this game that LAFC fans, Herc, may have been witnessing the final moments of Carlos Vela in an LAFC shirt at home. His contract expires December 31st of this year. What do you think? Did we see Vela in LAFC black and gold in LA for the last time on Saturday night? It sure felt like it, right? Mm -hmm. it, it really mm -hmm. did. You got that feeling? And not just in the moment where he's exiting the game, a very deserved standing ovation, and he takes the time to soak it in. You could really see him soak it. For as, for as upset as he is that he's coming out of the game, he allows himself a moment to soak it in, and I thought it was beautiful. But in his play, Carlos Vela was one of the best players on the field. I'm not kidding, he could have had a hat trick. He was that hmm. motivated, he was that invested, that committed. I've not seen- But he didn't. He didn't. But he didn't have a hat trick. He didn't, okay. he could have. Okay. I'm trying not to tell you how- could have done things, but- okay. Well, no, he was that dangerous is what I'm trying to tell you. Designated Oftentimes, players are, are paid to do things, not to could have. Correct, and he's done things. He's a historic player in this oh. league is where I'm trying to go with this. I mean, Carlos Vela is gonna go down as the most important piece in mm -hmm. LAFC's history. He's going to go down as an LA sports legend. He's gonna go down as one of the better DPs to ever play in Major League Soccer. Oh, by the way, he's gonna go down as a historic figure. Do you remember that 2019 year he had? Four finals, okay, he's gonna be in the second MLS Cup final. Like, he's an important figure. So, allow the moment to happen, Seb. Don't get into this Carlos Vela here, Carlos Vela there, he didn't do this. Mm -hmm. This is an mm -hmm. important figure here. Okay. He was one of the best players on the day, and it sure seemed like it when he was exiting. I wouldn't be surprised, you know how these things are. I'm sure mm -hmm. it's money's involved, I'm sure commitment's involved, that's how the terms of the contract. Carlos Vela many times has said he doesn't want to stop playing, but I don't see another situation where it's not LAFC and Carlos Vela continues to play. What's strange is you would think that if they haven't extended him already, Right. To me, that's a sign that they don't want him because they only have two designated players. It's not a situation like whatever L.A. Galaxy a few years ago where you got four designated players and you only have three spots and you need to sort something out. They could have extended Carlos Vela here. Denny Bawanga is the only other um, designated player on the roster. I think, Kirk, the question is, is can you do better if you're LAFC with a designated player spot than a 35 year old Carlos Vela? And that's that's the real kind of crux of the issue. It's not 2019 Carlos Vela that you would be signing for designated player money here. It's a guy whose production, even just at the last two years, right? He's got less goals and less assists this year in more games played for LAFC. So the productivity, whatever you want to say about how he looked and what he could have done in the conference final is significantly down, um, not just from 2019, but even from last year as well. 4.4 million, Herc. That's what he's on now. If he's not a DP, you're basically going to max pay him 1.5. I never said he was going to be a DP. I never, so, that's the thing. He doesn't have to be a DP. You and, think, and you think Vela would come back for a 65% pay cut? Listen, there that's are, what it might be. There are players who come back for a final year and take mm -hmm. massive pay cuts because they want to go out a certain way. Okay. That's 100% feasible. Now, let me tell you, there's some things that could mm -hmm. change, Seb. There's reports of a fourth DP uh, coming into the league mm -hmm. next season. All teams will mm -hmm. have a fourth DP. They will go on to play again in the CONCACAF Champions League. You get mm -hmm. more salary cap when you're involved in these tournaments. Things 
are fluid in Major League Soccer and more mm -hmm. so for a man like John Thorrington, the team president of LAFC. But the most important thing for John Thorrington is out of a lot of the presidents that I've known um, or seen GMs mm -hmm. that I've seen in this league, he's one of the few that doesn't hesitate to move on. We've seen it many mm -hmm. times at LAFC. He's moved on from big time players, a defender of the year, multiple times defender of the year in Walker Zimmerman, uh, a legendary coach in Bob Bradley, uh, players that you think are going to stay in Los Angeles for an extended period of time and be part of this, like Diego Rossi. He allows these players to go on and he reinvents the team. So whatever the case may be, I think he's a mm -hmm. smart enough individual. I think Carlos Vela understands that time's running out. It's how you want to go. And who knows? A lot of people could have saw Carlos Vela, you know, calling it a day after last year and they won MLS mm -hmm. Cup. Maybe they won MLS Cup this year and he does the same. Would you bring him back on $5 million a year? Would you bring him back as a DP? No, but I'm not trying to pay him $5 million a year. You, you've outlined that his productivity has slipped two years in a row. Why mm -hmm. would I do that? But it doesn't mean he has to come back as a DP. Okay. All right. We'll see. Maybe some options in uh, Liga Mekis as well. Should he look to continue his career? Uh, one more thing on this LAFC Houston Dynamo Western Conference Final. The fans hurt. LAFC's supporters group, the famed 3252, uh, set off multiple flares pregame. Actually, it caused the start of the match to be delayed by a few minutes. And this is problematic because according to the MLS Fan Code of Conduct, possession of an unauthorized pyrotechnic device is prohibited. Fans across MLS are crying foul, having themselves been punished in part for similar incidents. Herc, are you cool with the pyro that we saw at the bank? Uh, I am cool with it. Let me can tell we call you it the why. Can I'm sorry? Can we still call it the bank? Yeah, because BMO. BMO's okay. a bank. You can still call Perfect. it the bank. Uh, I'm cool with it. Let me tell you why, okay? Um, visually, it is stunning. And I hope more oh really i hope more venues Ask the commentators that were trying to broadcast the game i don't care about the commentators i don't i don't yeah, care I about the don't. commentators you know I, I care about the visual product it looks stunning mm. it looks like a, a a proper footballing culture now if you're upset at this as a supporter of another group be upset at your team be upset at the league don't be upset at lafc and their mm. fan base who may get fined and suspended but will have to deal with that fine and suspension and maybe their own ownership group is going to be like don't you know what we got this. We will take care of this. No problem. Don't be mad at the player here. I love that fan bases are trying to, and let me start by saying this, responsibly change what the culture looks like. There are safety issues here. If you're trained and you're responsible and you can do it, because there are certain sections around the world where they have people who are trained for this, more power to you. But these other fan bases that are upset, don't get upset at LAFC. Get upset at mm. your team. Get upset at your venue. Get upset at the league. Now, if LAFC supporter group are going to pay the fine or their ownership will front the bill for the fine, this is like Jordan getting fined for wearing red shoes. <laughs> I, I think what fans across the league have an issue with is that sometimes the league goes as far with the LAFC players as to promote it instead of punishing it when we see it punished almost everywhere else in the league. If you remember, what was it, MLS Cup last year, there were flares there by LAFC fans. The league put images of that up on the website and they had to quickly backpedal because you can't promote something that you're punishing. The same thing happened, I don't know if you remember this, in the CONCACAF Champions League final at home. And Don Garber actually tweeted out a picture of the flares and then he had to tweet out a picture of just, just smoke because you, can, you, you can't go out and be like, hey, this is a thing we're going to punish, but we're going to use it in all of our promotional materials. I think that's the complaint from the fans. It's, it's great for atmosphere. You're right. It's a... It's a good visual, it's, it's good, 
But you have to have rules. And if you're telling fans across the league that they can't use flares and then LAFC does it and we hear about a slap on the wrist in a few months and then we see the video on the MLS website, I think that's the problem, Herc. And that's something that's happened around this league for a long time. MLS has a lot of rules in place and then people break those rules. And this goes back to like the Timbers Army, you remember 2012, almost over a decade ago. And then MLS promotes that, that, that clip of the Timbers Army setting off flares. It's in the ESPN promo. Well, what is it? Is it something the league wants to highlight and have, or is it something that the league is trying to suppress? Someone somewhere needs to take that call. Well, Sebi wants to throw the book at LAFC. I got you. Oh, come on. You and your <laughs> LA Galaxy ways. Traitor. All right. Uh, one more thing about MLS. Lionel Messi, Herc, with some interesting comments, actually with an interview with ESPN down in Argentina. Here's what he had to say. Quote, I am aware that I went to a lesser league. I know what you've seen. The headlines have said minor league, but we're kind of translating for context here. Today, the only thing on my mind is getting to the Copa America well and being able to compete. Herc, we have labeled this as shots fired by Lionel Messi at Major League Soccer. Are they fair or unfair? Uh, they're unfair. And kudos to production for, for translating it and not going down the route that other mm -hmm. outlets have gone and do using Google Translate for minor league, which is not what Lionel Messi was trying mm -hmm. to get out of here. And, and by the way, yeah, duh. Water is wet. Like, what do yes. you think? Like, what? No. Okay. It's he, relative. It's relative to where he's been. He's been in La Liga. He's been in Liga. Champions yes. League, World Cup winner. Like, what do you think? Like, all of a sudden, Messi, the greatest player to ever play the game, coming to Major League Soccer, is going to say, "Ooh, MLS isn't so great. It's not. It's not as good as one would think." And we're supposed to be mm -hmm. here. Oh, oh my God! He said MLS isn't great. Come on, man. Like, uh, it's not the MLS isn't great, Herc. You know, very specifically, it's the minor league. It's that translation which people are hanging on to. It's that erroneous translation. It's the wrong translation that people are hanging on to. Lesser league. Do you agree that MLS is a lesser league than what he's used to? No, Obvious. No, nobody would disagree Obvious. with that. There's, yeah. another, there's another layer to this that people are making a big fuss out of, and I have mm -hmm. no idea why. That he would be more committed to Argentina than he would enter Miami. <laughs> what? Wait, what? A, a player is gonna be more committed and passionate about his national team than his club mm. team? Wait, what? So let me tell he you a story. Just say, he doesn't say I'm more committed. He says the only thing, the only thing that matters is Copa America and arriving there well. That's different. Well, let his wife take exception to that, not you, okay? If that's what he thinks mm -hmm. is the only thing that matters here. Listen, man, <laughs> they're, they're, listen, when, when you negotiate with a player, there are mm -hmm. concessions on both sides. Major League Soccer wants Lionel Messi, right? I had a situation, my, and I'm not comparing myself to, to Lionel Messi in any way, but I just did. No, I'm telling you my situation, <laughs> okay, when I was an active player. Seattle Sounders needed to work out the salary cap and came to me. I had another six months where I was free. I was free in six months, or mm -hmm. excuse me, I was free now and had six months until my career was over. I knew I wanted to end a proper way and not just stop. We negotiated a reduced salary so I could help them with the salary cap. In that last year as playing football, playing soccer, I was working with another television network following the U.S. men's national team around and doing their studio show and FIFA fixture dates. I agreed, we both agreed, that there would be times when I would miss training to go mm -hmm. with the national team, covering them as a media member. They agreed. I am nobody. What do you think MLS is going to agree with the mm. best player that's ever played the game in the history of the game in Lionel Messi. What, do, what, what extent do you think they would bend over backwards to make things happen, Seb? 
This is part of the gig. If you're offended by this, that's more mm -hmm. on you than Messi. No, not saying you, I'm saying in general. Does it change your expectations for Inter-Miami next year? Absolutely not. Knowing that this is his overwhelming priority? Absolutely no. not. This guy doesn't have Inter-Miami as a priority. And look what he did with Inter-Miami. He, he changed that franchise. Look what he's done in Major League Soccer. Hell, take him as he is right now because when he goes onto that field in that green rectangle, he's as committed as anybody you will ever see. Not a minor league, a lesser league, says Lionel Messi. Football Americas will be heading to Columbus, where we'll be live Thursday night from MLS Cup Media Day ahead of Saturday's final between LAFC and Columbus. Va al lancio lungo, diretto secco su Chris Polisic che può provare a inserirsi. Chris Polisic la mette a terra. Chris Polisic, Chris Polisic, il tiro e il gol meraviglioso di Chris Polisic. USA, come on baby, come on baby, come on baby, come on. Chris Polisic, a marvelous way to do a fantastic goal. Palla messa. Chris Pulisic, I guess it is now, with his uh, fifth goal of the Serie A campaign. The game winner, Herc, is AC Milan beat Frosinone 3-1 over this the weekend. This was just filthy. The touch is filthy in stride. The composure and strength to finish this off and the way he finishes it off. Listen, fifth goal of the season. I'm not... Uh, I'm being honest when I tell you he's arguably been their best player, Milan's best player. Mm. They are undefeated, by the way, AC Milan, when Christian Pulisic registers either a goal or an assist so far this season. Luca Coleocho, the 19-year-old from Connecticut who's eligible for, what's he, US, Canada, Nigeria, Italy. Got a goal for Burnley in a 5-0 win over Sheffield United in the Premier League. That fast pacey winger gets a goal right here. Nigerian father, Italian Canadian mother, born in Norwalk, Connecticut. All right, get some Connecticut. Mm. Greg Berhalter got some work to do there. Chris Richards, Herc turning in a man of the match performance as Crystal Palace played West Ham to a 1-1 draw. The interesting thing here is he played defensive midfield. He did, oftentimes as a defensive midfielder uh, and then oftentimes slotting into a, a three-man back line, but man of the match performance for Chris Richards who has not started since September. There you go, big minutes for a guy many American fans are very excited about. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Anthony Robinson recorded an assist as Fulham lost 4-3 against Liverpool on Sunday. Again? Didn't we just do this last week and the week before? Mm-hmm. Another one? All right. Third straight Premier League game with an assist for Jedi. Uh, he's having a hell of a season. Hell of a season and a hell of a performance in this game, not just with the assist, which uh, not just third in a row, but third on the season, but the defensive performance, uh, especially going up in that one-on-one -on -one matchup as he was uh, often on Sunday against Mo Salah. All right, Jedi Robinson, huge part of the U.S. men's national team, Herc. Do you think after this performance, what we've seen from him this season at Fulham, he's ready for a move to a bigger club? Sure seems like it, right? Seems like he's in the form of his life. 26 years old, he just in July re-signed a long-term contract with Fulham. You know what that means? That, mm -hmm. He's pretty much gone. They're just insuring themselves for a, uh, a big payday, a, a big transfer, if you will. Listen, they played against Liverpool, and you know who plays on the right-hand side for Liverpool? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, okay. Mohamed Salah. Uh, he was on Mohamed Salah like you would want a player when they are trying to shut down one of the best wingers in the world. And I was looking at some stats. I saw all of his touches in this game. And I'm, when I saw these touches, I'm like, who else on his team touched the ball? It seems like Jedi's everywhere. It seems like Anthony Robinson's here. <laughs> Anthony Robinson's there. Who else got on the ball? So I looked at the touches. 
Guess who led the team in touches? 79. Don't look back. Wow. Anthony Robinson. And not and not by a few here, a few there. By like 20 to 30 something touches mm. per player. I'm telling you, he was the best player on his team. Now, listen, there are certain limitations that come with an Anthony Robinson. Technical limitation, technical ability. But what he lacks in technical ability, he more than makes up with drive, determination, speed, physicality, intelligence, how intelligent he is to anticipate and block these lanes and be a player that's not only intelligent defending, but going forward with how powerful he is driving. He's a force. He's a force, and he's been one for the U.S. men's national team. And now you can see him now at Fulham getting the credit he deserves. I will leave you with this. Last mm -hmm. year, I read a quote that Pep Guardiola had about Anthony Robinson and how good he was down that left-hand side, how much of a powerful force he is driving with the ball. He's ready for bigger and better. Mm. Do you remember at the World Cup, producer Beto and I had a, had a bet going on whether Anthony <laughs> Robinson would make the move? I put the bar at 25 million euros or higher. Producer Beto laughed me out, almost laughed All me out of the country. He did because you put a time limit on that. I did. I did. Yes. Okay. The, the bet is null because I said it would happen in the summer transfer window. As you mentioned, he does do the contract extension with Fulham through 2028. So there's no transfer there. But that 25 million number, it doesn't seem so far-fetched now, does it? And we have seen him linked to big clubs. He almost made a move, I think, I think it was three years ago. It was right during the pandemic, Milan. 2020, to AC Milan. Yeah. There, was a, there was a health issue that kind of stopped that move. Inter Milan has been linked to him in the past. So there's clearly some interest, Turk, at least from Italy and Syria. Would you like to see him go somewhere else, or do you want to see him move up the ladder in the Premier League? That's a difficult one, right? And here's the thing about Anthony Robbins. For as good as he is, when you talk about outside backs in mm -hmm. some of the best leagues in the world, best teams in the world, they're ball handlers. They're your quarterbacks. They're, 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 your, they're your literal uh, point guards, if you will. Uh, and I still think there's some refinement that needs to happen for him to make that jump into the one of the top teams in the Premier League. But the other part of that coin is you're talking about a big transfer that's going to come for left back. What Teams in Serie A are going to afford a big transfer on a left back. Like, there's only so many places you can go now in world football. I do think his main focus should be trying to stay in the Premier League. Style, yeah. I mean, style, style of play, and also financially. Yeah, super productive in the attack of late. We mentioned the three assists in a row. What about against Trinidad? Yeah, uh, in that two leg series, two goals and an assist. So, a guy who's really contributing from that left back position. Maybe it's the Premier League. Maybe it's Serie A. Maybe Herc. It's the Bundesliga, which, of course, you can watch uh, right here on ESPN. Plus. That's where I was going with that for anybody um, wondering. Ah, uh, no. No íbamos a promocionar lo de Bundesliga. Ah, okay. All right, let's move on to Liga MX then. I was going to tell you all about the Bundesliga game on ABC this coming weekend, which is uh, exciting. But instead, we'll go to Liga MX where the quarterfinals uh, were wrapping up this weekend. Top seed América, 2-0 winners at home against León, so they advanced 4-2 on aggregate hurt. Yeah, and then the uh, disrespectful finish and a little disrespectful celebration. And Henry Martín, just right place, right time again. It was pretty much all over for León, who will be lamenting the chances they missed early on. They really could have taken it to Club América early on here, Seb. Yep. Henry Martín, Julián Quiñones, your goal scores in the victory for Las Águilas. The two-seed Monterrey. Now, you remember, they lost the first leg 1-0 away to San Luis. And then in the second leg, they drew 1-1. So, Herc, San Luis is going through. Oh, that's a shocker. Who could have predicted mm -hmm. that one? What? One Hercules in Gomez your house? on Vitinho Jr. Vitinho Jr. So there it is, Atletico San Luis pulling the big upset and through to the semifinals. That was on Saturday. On Sunday, we had the 4-5 matchup. Pumas Chivas 
and Pumas overturning a 1-0 first leg deficit to win 3-0 at home. Yeah, talk about disrespectful uh, celebrations. Uh, the rehecho in Seul, the remade at Seul at that stadium right there. He was ex-Chivas player, just disrespectful. And then just a beat down on Chivas right here. Producer Beto must be crying himself to sleep. Uh, steady, steady. Tigres and Puebla, the final of the quarterfinals. First leg was 2-2. Tigres rolled in the second leg, 3-0 at home. Yeah, Gignac got the rest last game, a 2-2 tie. This game, double, but it's Nico Ibanez, who's mm. Andre Pierre Gignac's backup with his seventh goal of the season, if you will, with a golazo. I mean, maybe Puskas worthy there. Tigres, 5-2 winners on aggregate. So a couple disappointing eliminations to discuss here. Chivas are out, so are Rayados. Which is more disappointing, Herc? <laughs> Rayados. And uh, let me just tell you about Chivas really quick. Why it's not mm -hmm. disappointing. Before Velko Panovic came, after Matias Almeida, they had the last eight years uh, a, a season finish of ninth place. That was their average. Mm -hmm. They were perennial ninth place team that would fight for the playing game. El Repechaje would fight, fight okay. to be in those type of moments, right? Last season, they made it to a final. They're 20 minutes away from being champions, if not for Tigres. This season, with all the problems that they had, he steadies the ship and gets them in the playoffs again. And, and it should have been over that first game. They should have put Pumas away in the first leg. They didn't. Mm. But there's no way you can compare for as big as Chivas is, for Equipo Grande, as big and popular as they are, they don't make the same investment as a Rayados, which is the wealthiest club, the richest club in all of Mexico. A team that has felt time and time and time again. And I will get to Otano Ortiz in a second, but we can go back to Turco Mohamed, we can go back to Bucetich, we can go back to whoever you want. The same set of players, okay? Maybe a, a yeah. Vasco Aguirre, maybe they add a player here or there, maybe they increase the investment here or there. Whatever you want, it's always the same fracaso tras fracaso tras fracaso. It's always a failure with them. This season, you're going to go play against San Luis, and they run you into the ground. A 1-0 win for San Luis that could have been much worse. You get mm. lucky. As, as Tano Ortiz said, they left you alive. Walking dead like zombie-like, but they left you alive. <laughs> you go into your house, your house, which has been a house of horrors for you in Liguilla, in the playoffs, and you get thrashed by this San Luis. And what makes it worse is Tano Ortiz beats himself. Mm. You score a goal. In Funes Mori, your all-time leading goal scorer, you finally start him. He scores a goal. The best goal scorer the club's ever had in their history, and you take him out in the 63rd minute. And I understand that Tecatito Corona comes on as a sub, and Tan Ortiz, he can't help if he gets injured. That's not on him. Guess what is on Tan Ortiz? Burning the three substitution windows without using mm -hmm. the five subs. You put mm -hmm. yourself in a position and then you allow San Luis to just pick you apart. That's on Tano Ortiz. It's another fracaso for Rayados and your boy has been saying it all season that it was gonna happen. You have, you've been saying it for a while that Rayados are just basically the fracaso team in Mexico, but you specifically called for San Luis to, to, to beat this Monterey team. So we'll give, you, we'll give you all your flowers here. What's especially embarrassing about this, if you're Rayados, is the way the, the playoffs are set up, Herc. If you have the higher position in the table, you have you have such an advantage. Yeah. You, you, you basically begin with, with one foot in the next round. It's, it's such a power dynamic over 180 minutes to be like, we don't even have to do anything um, and we advance. And yet, despite that, they couldn't get it done. 
I don't know, Herc. I don't know how you can have Rogelio Funes Mori and how you can have Berterame up there and you can score one goal against San Luis in 180 minutes. I I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's got to come down to the manager, Dan Ortiz, and not being able to get enough out of this, this incredible, at least on paper, roster. Because when I saw... Tecatito. He's not the he's not the Tecatito that we think we used to know. He's definitely he's definitely a far cry from that player. But you look at this Rayales team, Kurt. I mean, Tecatito, big money. Sergio Canales, big money, not around. The, the guys that they've poured their money into, Maxi Mesa. Maxi Mesa's, I mean, supposed to be one of the best players in the league. This guy's terrible for Rayales. I look at this team, I see so many players who haven't lived up to it. I've seen so many coaches. You mentioned them, Bucetich, Aguirre, Turco, part two of Turco. I mean, they come, they're unable to win. They won a CONCACAF Champions League in 2021. We'll give them that. Uh, but it's wild. And as far as Chivas is concerned, the reality of the Chivas roster, and this is why it can't be more disappointing, Herc, than Rayados, is Chivas don't have the roster to say, uh, we're better. We, we should be there. I think Chivas, though, could have that roster. We always talk about Chivas and we say, oh, well, they limit themselves with Mexican players. And that's why, you know, if Chivas had the best Mexican players, Liga Mekis is not the Premier League. They could compete. Honestly, they could compete in Liga Mekis if they had the best Mexican players just in Liga Mekis. Forget the guys in Europe. But they don't even have that. So you look at this Chivas team. They're always showing up to a gunfight with sticks and knives. They're never really going to be able to, outside of maybe a lucky run here or there, be in a final. Rayados, on the other hand, whew, what a nightmare. And I don't see, I don't see it turn around anytime soon. Don Ortiz got three playoffs with America. He might only get one here. No, I think he'll get another one just knowing You the, think so? Knowing the president of the team, Tato Noriega, he's not the type to just make rash decisions. And here I am saying that, and he let Busetich go after a record setting year. But I don't think he will do that because he's on the hook there as well. But listen, the one constant here are the players. I joke, I joke around with them. They're, they're known as penguinos, penguins. And mm -hmm. part of that is because they're petrofrios. They don't feel it. They don't have that passion for it. You see this team, they show you they don't have the passion for it. There are a lot of names, rich names that make a lot of mm -hmm. money. Berterrame, Funes Mori, Aguirre, Maxi Mesa, Sergio Canales. You, the list goes on and on. Hector Moreno's there, big-time player at the center back. You know, Jesus Gallardo, national team player. You look at the players they've had in the past, Tecatito Corona. It, it's just a star-studded team, but when it comes to crunch time, they let teams like Atlas, Puebla, San Luis twice, Tigres at home, they let those teams bully them and knock them out of the playoffs. Yep. Last league title for Rayados back in uh, 2019. Who, in the days who was that against? Before the pandemic. Who was that against? Uh, I forget. I, I blacked out. I, I, I missed it. I must, America. America. I must have missed it. Why'd you bring that up? Uh, who could forget? What sadness. What sadness in the CONCACAF Champions League finals. The uh, finals or semifinals are set, I should say. Wednesday, we're going to have the first leg between San Luis and America. And then Thursday, Pumas are going to host Tigres in Mexico City. Both second legs this coming weekend. Let's go from Liga Mekis to the U.S. Women's National Team. They were in action over the weekend, taking on China at uh, Fort Lauderdale. Next to last game of 2023. Eight minutes in, the Americans get on the board. Trinity Rodman across for Sophia Smith. Yeah, it's a good finish by Sophia Smith. She's looking a lot like herself. Looks like she's passed that injury. It's a good ball by Trinity Rodman. Sees the space, the opening, and a good diving finish right here by Sophia Smith. U.S. off to a quick start. Hasn't really been the case so far in 2023. More here, about halfway through the first half. Sophia Smith missing. Oh from no! Blank range. 
She didn't miss many of those this season. It happens. Still one nothing into the second half. Lindsay Horan just gonna put it in the mixer and good things happen. Yeah, she'll take that one. Sometimes that happens, you put it in the mixer, it's a deadly ball, dangerous ball. Lindsay Horan, she's gonna celebrate. U.S. up 2-0, second look at it here. And uh, China's goalie with the late reaction. Americans adding a third in the 77th. Trinity Rodman already with a couple assists. She's gonna get her goal right here. Yeah, gets inside of her defender. Good work by Shaw running across the, or the face of goal. And she's just, it's an easy tapping for her. U.S. wins 3-0. Trinity Rodman, the star of the game. Good time to ask the question. Is she the player that Emma Hayes should be building this U.S. women's national team around once she takes over? So I, we, we, this question was, was posed at the rundown meeting afterwards. I was thinking about this. Is there a singular player that one would build around for mm. the U.S. women's national team? I, I don't think there is. And then I started thinking to myself, well, okay, if I had to do a ranking of players, where would Trinity Rodman fall into it for the U.S. Men's national, or women's national team Excuse me, right now? I don't think she falls into the top three. I started thinking about who could fall into that regardless of one through three. And I thought of names like Sophia Smith, who has proven mm -hmm. to take her game to the next level. But you would say maybe right now in the world's level doesn't have that world-class talent, if you will. Maybe she does. Maybe she does. Maybe that's unfair. But Sophia Smith, Naomi Gurma, uh, you could put in there Katarina Macario. Uh, those are players that I would say one could build around. Trinity Rodman's a very good player. She's a different player, absolutely. But is she the special player? Maybe not. At times to be very one-dimensional, fade in and out of moments, in and out of games. Maybe that's unfair because she's still very much coming into her own as a person and a player, very young. Mm -hmm. She's not a finished product. But when I see her game, I don't think of a much more refined game like a Sophia Smith. I don't think of a hmm. dominant performance like a Gurma. I don't think of, of a player who has a technical ability and can change something like Macario. That's not where she falls. So I would say, no, she's not the player to build around. I'll push back only on this as far as like dominance. I have seen her dominate at the NWSL level. Not at the international level yet, but I have seen her dominate games at the NWSL level. I think one of the big frustrations for anybody following the U.S. women over the last couple of years was why aren't we seeing the same Trinity Rodman that we see with the Washington Spirit with the United States? We got a glimpse of that, a glimpse of that in this game uh, against China. I think this is her the biggest issue right now for Emma Hayes as she takes over this team. And I think it's important that this happened in the first game after Emma Hayes gets the job. And with Emma Hayes there in Florida, kind of with an eye over this team, you know, keeping an eye on what Twyla Kilgore's doing, the fact that Rodman shown is gonna, that's gonna help her. It's gonna help her a lot in Emma Hayes' eyes. I'm with you though. I don't think Trinity is the singular person. What I would like to see, and I and I love the shouts for Katarina Macario, but between health and just the fact that we right. haven't seen our health, feel like is, that's a, health is an issue. It's a little bit more pie in the sky. If, if I were to, you know, say what, what should the U.S. build around moving forward? It would be Trinity Rodman, but it would be Rodman as part of a front three, Herc. And let me know what you think about this. That doesn't prioritize, obsesses over speed. I want to see a front three where Sophia Smith is playing through the middle. You got Trinity Rodman on one side and you got a healthy when she comes back. Mallory Swanson, if you can get the player in 2024 that we saw basically early 2023 before she gets injured. If you have Mallory Swanson at full flight, Trinity Rodman at full flight, and then on top of that, you got Sophia Smith 
in the middle of it all. I think that's what you build around moving forward. Those three pieces. Yeah. I could agree with that being a, a trident. I don't think there's a singular piece in the women's game right now for the for the Americans. What I will say that it's very promising and exciting is the amount of young talent you have at your disposal right now that should make fans feel very good, especially coming off what you saw in the Olympics in Tokyo and, and, and that team and how there was an urgency and a need to change the, the page, turn the chapter, mm-hmm. you know, into this generational shift that you never got that ended up, you know, wandering in this past World Cup. So it should be very promising that you have this young talent now. Absolutely. Uh, One more game for the U.S. women's national team. That will be tomorrow, the final game for the United States here in 2023. In case you missed it, elsewhere in the women's game, the Mexican women's national team has qualified for the 2024 W Gold Cup. This after they beat Puerto Rico 3-0 on Friday. Uh, Natalia Mauleon opening the scoring there. It's a good goal, pulls it back, and then goalkeeper, oh, just a split, can't do anything else, back of the net. And from there, it was the uh, Kiana Palacios show. She had a brace, the pride of UC Irvine getting on the board twice. It's a good finish, little playback, very similar to the first goal, from that range, not missing. Of course, the uh, Gold Cup will take place next February and March, the semifinals and finals to be played in San Diego. Let's run it back, Herc, with the Mexican national team, Santiago Jimenez with a goal. He's 17th in the air to Vizzy as Feyenoord lost 2-1 to PSV on Sunday. All right. Say what you will about the goalkeeping. That's not on Santi Jimenez. 17 goals. This man keeps scoring goals, racking those numbers up, looking at a massive transfer fee. Mm. Ricardo Pepe, by the way, did not play in this game. He did play for young PSV on Monday in the uh, second division. Some reward for his Champions League winner. Juliana Rauco with a game winner for Las Palmas on Friday against Getafe Herc. He actually starts his playing transition as he's going and then ends up being the one who heads it in. It's a beautiful goal. Second of the calendar year scored in the Copa del Rey a few weeks ago. Well, last week we brought you part one of Martin Einstein's interview with Julian. Here now is part two. Let's check it out. Julian, uh, you just uh, came back from, from, from Mexico and from the national team. Uh, how do you read the situation uh, that is going on with the national team right now? You have qualified for the finals of the National League. At the same time, there's a lot of criticism on the, on the squad. Yeah, I think uh, it's a very hard topic. Obviously, you know, we have a lot of criticism uh, around the, the Mexican national team. Why uh, is that? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think um, I think we just get a lot of criticism. You know, I think it's just the world of it's a country that loves football. It's a country that that holds a very high standard for for us. Uh, you know, we we're, we're, we have a lot of great talent in, in our country. We have a lot of great uh, great players that have a lot of legends that have came out of Mexico and a lot of legends that that will come out of Mexico. I think, yeah, I think one of the things is just holding a high standard. I think when we played in Honduras against Honduras uh, for the nation's qualifying and for Copa America, uh, you know, I think we, we went there with uh, with a lack of attitude. And I think, you know, that's something that that's a valley for us Mexicans. When we go somewhere, we have to play with attitude. We, we, we don't let just people come over here and, and step on us. And I think that was something that really that really affected our whole country because our whole uh, you can see our whole country watches football games and I think that was something that we lacked on and that we demonstrated but when we went to Mexico and played against them I think that was something that uh, 
I think that's why why we won our game uh, in Mexico and why we, we we beat them because we went there with attitude. We knew that they weren't going to come to Mexico to and step on us. Uh, we wanted to do everything possible to give uh, to give Mexico happiness, and we did. You know, we we went to penalties. We fought until the very end, scored in the last minute, went to penalties, won in penalties, and now we're qualified for Copa America. And I think uh, you know we we need to continue to build. We're a lot of young players. We have a lot of great talent and. Uh, we're all very ambitious. We all want the best. We all want to succeed. We all want to win a World Cup. We all, yeah, I think that's something, you know, our, our group is very is very together. We're very united. We, we like to stay, we're a family. And I think that's what, what's most important for us is that we, we know that we're a family and we're going to be behind each other through, through the good and the bad. One of the main topics is, uh, it is a special moment. There's a generation that uh, has achieved things that uh, they're, you know, giving the the space for for, for newcomers, for yeah. young players to to step up and uh, uh, to show uh, what this new generation is able to to achieve. Uh, how do you see this? How do you see the future of uh, all the players, the young players, as yourself, that are uh, part of this uh, national team? Yeah, like I said, I see a very you know it's a new. Like we, we brought in a new coach. A new coach has been with us for, for a couple months now. Jaime Lozano, Jimmy Lozano. And um, yeah, it's been, very, it's been very good. We're all very happy with him and, and this whole coaching staff and everybody that he's brought in. Uh, I think he's brought in a lot of great players, a lot of new players, uh, players that, uh, that will be the future. And, and you know, he keeps uh, players that, are the, that, that, were, that hold us down, that, that hold the group together. And, um, yeah, I think we have a lot of great talent coming out. I think we're very ambitious and we want, we want to succeed. We want to win games. I think that's the most important thing is that we go into every game and we want to win. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the game of football, you know, you win and you lose some. And I think, <clears throat> I think that's, that's just part of the game. But, you know, we, we will continue to build. We will continue to, to learn and, and, and have each other's back and, and be, be, be our best versions of ourselves whenever we go there. Julian, um in uh, respect to, to your personal situation, Jimmy Lozano has said that uh, he likes you the way you play, he likes you as a player, but uh, how do you see your situation? You haven't played much in the national team. Yeah, you know, I, obviously as a, as, as a player you want to continue, you want to play every game you can possibly play. Uh, for me, you know, I have, um, I'm very patient, you know, I, I think uh, God has the right timing. I believe in everything will happen at its, at its time. And if it's not meant for me, it's not meant for me. But I'm very happy for, for being a part of the national team. You know, I, I don't regret going every time and not playing sometimes and playing a couple minutes. You know, for me, it's, it's an honor to be able to be there. It's, it's uh, everything I wished for, everything I dreamed of as a kid. Uh, for me, the other day when we were playing at that stack, I think I realized when I was sitting on the bench that I was a little kid uh when i was 10 11 12 9 8 i was idolizing players that were playing in that stadium and uh for me just to be on the bench and be wearing the 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 jersey it meant so much to me and i took a deep you know i just sat down and i and i took a deep breath and it was everything i ever wanted and you know i couldn't i wouldn't be here without my parents and my family and you know i'm very happy with 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 my situation um because for me, everything's gonna come at my time. You know, I'm gonna have my time. It's gonna come at the right time, and I just have to be ready, and I have to take advantage of it. But you know, uh, Jimmy has whenever he, you know, we're all brothers, and the 11 that are gonna go out there are gonna fight. You know, we're gonna leave. We're gonna, we'll leave dead if we need to to 
to, to put on whatever we have to do to win the game. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing is to have that familyhood because at the end of the day, we want to win for our, for our country. And I'm, and I'm very happy to be a part of the team. And whether I play one minute, two minutes or the whole game, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be honored to be there. Julian Araujo talking the Mexican national team there with Martin Einstein. Herc, your takeaways? Yeah, listen, he's been very good for Las Palmas. He was a consistent starter until he got injured, and then he's been coming off the bench. But you could see him regaming his form. I think it's a tough decision for Jimmy Lozano. You're talking about who could be the best right back uh, right now. Kevin Alvarez has had some good moments. Club America, Jorge Sanchez, even though he's not played much at Porto, he seems to be the preferred choice for Jimmy Lozano. I think Julian uh, Julian knows he's got quite a battle in his hands for that starting position, but he's a player that multiple coaches have trusted. So I think he knows his standing within the Mexican national team. Mm. What's your right back depth chart for Mexico? Not Jimmy Lozano's. How would you rank the three? It isn't a popular decision, but I would still go Jorge Sanchez, Julian, and Kevin Alvarez, number three. Only because wow. I don't... I think it's very good that you're good offensively with the ball, but at some point, Kevin Alvarez has to prove that he could defend at the international mm -hmm. level. He's not. And maybe I'm being unfair to Julian because when Julian has played, he's been very good. Yeah. I, I, I see Kevin Alvarez almost every week with America. I think the player's starting to regress. I think this is one of those moves that we're going to look back on at kind of the, the full spectrum of his career and say, that was when he kind of capped out. Um, man, I don't know. I saw Jorge Sanchez against Honduras. I was not very convinced. I don't really remember any time that I've been convinced by Jorge Sanchez. I think there's a good well, shot for how, how Julian Araujo against, here. How do you look against Pulisic when they played in the Azteca? All right. There's, there's, like, there's like moments of one game there. I think Julian's best attribute is that he's the best defender out yeah. of those three. He is a shutdown defender. He's physically, I mean, he, he enjoys the challenge. Okay. The best offensive player is Kevin Alvarez. I think Jorge Sanchez gives you the best combination of the two. Hmm. Could be. All right, uh, Sanchez, 25, Kevin Alvarez, 24, Julian Araujo, the youngest of the lot, at uh, just 22 years old. His parent club, Barcelona, are taking on Girona, the surprise package so far this season. Your co-leaders alongside Real Madrid. Well, Man City Coverage team. begins at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific, right here on ESPN+. Don't miss it. Time for our parting shot here on Episodio 307 of Football Americas. Venues have been announced, Turk, for the upcoming Copa America. They are Las Vegas, Arlington, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Kansas City, where they're going to use both the NFL and MLS facilities. Uh, in Florida, you got both Orlando and Miami, where we know the final will be. Santa Clara, California, that's 49ers country, Atlanta, Georgia, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Houston, Texas, Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium, that's Inglewood, uh, and Phoenix, Arizona. Herc, what do you think? All right, uh, five venues not in the 2026 World Cup are actually in Copa America. I love that, okay? Mm -hmm. At some point, U.S. soccer is still going to say, this is our house, our, our rules, sort of. Let's spread the love. Let's grow the game. So I love that they're in some places that are not going to be in the World Cup Great. I'm looking at the map. Where's the Pacific Northwest? I mean, you've got some great actual soccer culture in the United States, and you're not showing it off. It's not there. I'm looking more in this. How does Hartford get a game? How does Charlotte get a semifinal? How does Kansas City get not one, but two games? There are some things that just rub me the wrong way. I understand it's a Copa America. It, it, there are going to be mm -hmm. some full stadiums no matter where you go. This would have been a great chance for U.S. soccer, for the powers that be that organize this game and say, you know what, 
We use the same stadiums over and over and over again. How many times are you gonna go back to Arlington? How many times are you gonna go back to Levi Stadium in, in, in Santa Cruz? Mm -hmm. you know, how many times are you going to go to Glendale? How many times are you gonna to go to Atlanta? Not that I have anything against these beautiful venues, and I'm sure there's a reason they go back to the well multiple times over. Mm. But at some point, you've got to change, you've got to refresh, you've got to say there's a whole sector of the United States that we've not even tapped into. A major tournament like this could have been an opportunity. Lots of cooks in the kitchen, lots of interest between CONMEBOL, CONCACAF, uh, U.S. soccer. The U.S. will play their games. Uh, shout out to Steve Goff of the Washington Post. He sorted this all out. In Arlington, Atlanta, and Kansas City, that's in the group phase. Mexico's group phase games, Houston, L.A., and Phoenix. And Argentina, just in case anybody out there wants to follow Lionel Messi, will be playing in Atlanta, New Jersey. And surprise, surprise, their group phase finale, just like the final, uh, will be in Miami. So there you have it, all the latest no, no DC, no Baltimore, and no Philly, Herc. So you know I'm bitter too. Baltimore, not, not, not a lot for me to drive to uh, over here on this part uh, of the East Coast. Shout out to Florida State. The Seminoles have won the NCAA Women's Championship uh, tonight. That game just going final five. Lucky Stanford. Over Stanford. Yeah, somewhere uh, Julie Foudy is is weeping at the result Take of that. Take that, Jordan one. Morris. Fourth, the fourth uh, NCAA title all time for the Florida State women all right we will see you back here on thursday night we'll be live from columbus ahead of mls cup between columbus crew and lafc make sure to join us 8 30 p.m eastern time 5 30 pacific on thursday we'll see you then